Who watched it? Just the just four Groundhog's Day. It's a family tradition. Sorry. It's like the best, well, second best Bill Murray movie ever. It's not true. It's Ghostbusters and Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hope and pray you had a great week. Did you? Yes. Right. You know, the amazing grace of the Lord, the work of his spirit, and just the edification of the saints. And that we can go and be about his will. You know, whatever day we are given, we can do that. And when you ever hear from someone, hey, I heard this about you. What instantly comes to mind? Negative, Negative right? Bad news bears, right? <laughs> we get ready for some bad news. Because we're, we're taught that talking about other people is not good, right? Bad, don't do it. <laughs> and it's true. You know, gossip is a sin. Spreading rumors and talking about others is a sin. Uh, Romans 1.29, 1 Timothy 3.13. And then Proverbs actually warns us like this. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> the New American Standard says do not associate with a gossip. Kind of narrows it down for us. But I like the ESV. Huh? It's like it's just somebody that's just talking all the time. And it's like they just want the juicy stuff, right? And it's not a steak or a Brussels sprout. It's, it's, it's people's lives, you know? The Amplified Bible says, who talks freely or flatters, right? They're all about, you know, trying to get the, hey, buddy, how's it going? Tell me, tell me what you know so they can go tell likewise. But news is different, right? You know, there's good news, there's bad news, there's no news at all, right? And most families, that's, that's good news, right? Well, I haven't heard from Grandpa for a while. It must be good, right? You know? But when there's stuff happening, you, you call them, you know, you talk to them. We even call them newspapers and gossip columns. They used to distinguish what was true and what wasn't. Well, they hopefully still do to a point. They, they separated them in the world, right? These are different things. Well, Epaphras came to Paul. And Paul had never been to Colossae. But he had heard of the Colossian church. He actually knew several members of the church personally. Uh, Epaphras was from Colossae and he was Paul's fellow prisoner. And then, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Archippus is described as a fellow soldier. And Paul actually tells Archippus this, uh, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Uh, some scholars actually believe that he is the pastor of the church of Colossae. Uh, Paul also knew Philemon and Omysius, who are the characters, not characters, but the people being written about in the book of Philemon. And then actually Philemon has a church meeting in his house, which most scholars believe is actually the church of Colossae. And then we have Amesius, a runaway slave that had been led to the Lord by Paul. And then we see that Epaphras is also from there. Well, we already saw that. And had come to Paul to report on the 
Colossian church. So Paul writes to these set-apart people. He has heard news, and he has news to share. Uh, let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Our Father God, we, we thank you that you are unchanging, that you are holy and just and loving and, and set apart, and that you love your enemies. All of us sinners are in that boat, and you love us. And you make a way through Christ alone to repent of our sin and to have life everlasting. How amazing that is. How, how full of grace and mercy that is, that amazing truth. That your son came to seek and to save. And we are so thankful for that. Because just like the Israelites, just like Aaron who crafted an idol and yet reported to Moses that it just kind of popped out, we are full of sin and we hide it. But Lord, you are the true light. Shine upon men that we may believe in you and become children of God and deal with this. It deals with the sin and death in us by as Colossians will get to by nailing it to the cross with Christ. Because he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you so much for that amazing truth, Lord. <clears throat> Be with us in this time of study. Help us uh, to concentrate upon, upon your words. And to know what to do. And how to, how to live for you, Lord, in the here and now. Help us to be encouraged and equipped, to be strengthened, to be comforted. Help us to take all the distractions of life and just set, set them aside for now and just to, to concentrate on your word, to study upon your word. And thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to humanity. And thank you for unchanging truths that we can hold to because they are your promises and your word, Lord. We thank you for today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. And we'll be in uh, verses 3 through 5. And Paul writes this we always thank God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you have heard before uh, sorry of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. What are we, what are we thankful for? Hmm. Health. Oh yeah, health, the life, the salvation in Christ alone. Life and wife. Oh, sorry, wife. Uh, sorry, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> a happy life and a happy wife. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And when we wake up in the morning, maybe we're thankful for some quiet time before the storm, right? 
Yeah, <laughs> peace and quiet, right? <laughs> oh, maybe for that coffee, right? The elixir of life, give it to me now. <laughs> and maybe we're thankful for our, for our homes, for our families, for the food we enjoy, the comfort we have. Now, there is a lot to be thankful for in this life. Well, Paul is writing to this church, small town, uh, this church in a small town that's off the beaten path, and he tells them, We thank God through Jesus as we pray for you. Now, how do prayers get to God? They get to God through one mediator between man and God. As Paul states in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2 5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. Right? Jesus is the way. And he is the one who stands in the gap between God and man. And man is able to approach the Holy One through the Lamb of God, Jesus. The author of Hebrews states it like this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's an amazing verse, right? As we're trying to cross Pueblo <laughs> to get to church in the icy cadavers of death. Lord, help me, right? <laughs> Since we have a great high priest, that's the, the verse before Hebrews 4.16, Hebrews 4.15 says that we have a great high priest that can approach God. He's passed through the heavens. So if we trust in him and if we rest in him, we too can approach God through him. We can only draw near to God through the Lord Jesus because he is the God who's come to humanity to reveal God to us. The Apostle John states it like this in his gospel. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And a few verses down, John writes this. No one has ever seen God. Right? David never saw God. Moses never saw God. But the only God who is at the father's side has made him known. And that's Jesus. We are so blessed through our Lord Jesus because we have this. We have the knowledge of God through him. He has shown us who God is. The one who took upon flesh and dwelt with us here. And the apostles saw it. They saw that life made manifest and they reported to all they could and spread it through the known world. And that mission continues today all because of Jesus Paul tells the church at Colossae that they thank God when they pray for them. And that made me think, right? Do we do that? And do we lift up one another in prayer? Because we should at all times, whether in the good or the bad times or in the, the no news at all time. Because we're called to do this, to bear one another's burdens, to do this and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is love. That we wouldn't be just about our own thing in life, but that we would be about a life together as we follow Christ Jesus. 
And no matter what kind of report was what Paul was given, we'll get to more of that as we go through the letter, he still gives thanks to God and wrote that. And what do we do when we hear distressing news, distressing reports? We, we worry, right? Right away, that's the first default function. That's the first and best response. And then we think, how am I going to fix this? Right? Well, at least us. <laughs> Get the tool belt. <laughs> but to this end, Paul is first thankful. Right? He's thankful that these people have heard the words of truth. Jude actually informs believers to do this as they're dealing with situations. To have mercy on those who doubt and save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others show mercy with fear, right? So there's two, there's two kind of differences here because we have to have fear and hating even the garments that are stained by the flesh. And we live in an age of doubt, an age of hard questions, but Christ and Christianity and the whole of the Bible have the answers. So for those doubting, to those with, with questions, to those under the spell of the New Age or whatever other ology, we are to have mercy upon them and warn them and fear God. This really embodies what Jesus tells us to be about. He says this, I, I, a, new commandment, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This, this has been interesting because even, even this week, a lot, of, a lot of churches and different ministry leaders have been talking about some different issues. And some people are always like, why are these guys always fighting about stuff, right? Or that's always the thing. Why, why do Christians fight? And I thought about this. I'm like, well, brothers and sisters bear with one another. Brothers and sisters fight with one another. If, if you don't see that ever, you know, go come hang out with us for a minute. <laughs> And then brothers and sisters make up. Brothers and sisters call each other out on their wrongs. They see, because to let a wound fester is unloving, right? To, oh, that's, it's fine. Brothers and sisters call each other to repentance. Brothers and sisters speak truth and love from a sincere heart and a sincere faith, as Paul writes to Timothy. For to be about this, Genuine love, as Paul talks about in Romans. Paul is thankful for this church in Colossae because they heard, but, sorry, he heard, well, Timothy and him and others had heard of their faith. He is thankful that the gospel had made it to Colossae. And these people had placed their faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is thankful for the power of God going forth to all, as he states it, right? As I was like, I think we saw this verse last week. I'd have to go back and check, but Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation, sorry, power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now these people, no matter where they came from, no matter their background, had come to faith in Christ, and for that, Paul is glad. Paul had also heard that their love of their love that they had for all the saints 
See, the church is a place where believers in Jesus gather and then they love and they deal with life together. It's a good mark, right? Two good marks for a church. Believe in Jesus and love one another. Oh, cool. Two points. Yeah. <laughs> they do this because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. And they are changed by that truth. They are transformed by the Lord to be different. For they have a different hope and a different treasure than the rest of the world. Now please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Verses uh, 19 through 21. And the Lord says this, do, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy where th and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, if our, if our treasure is here, it can be destroyed. But if our treasure is in heaven, it can never be destroyed. It's imperishable. So let us lay up treasures in heaven. And the way to do this, the first way to do this, is to, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, by resting in the person and the work of Christ the finished work upon the cross for our sin and then we can live for him in the here and now and know this as, as Paul tells the church in Corinth therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain the small things to the large things, we can know this, that the deeds done for the glory of God will not be in vain. And we can abound in this. We can abound in working for the Lord because it is a worthy task. Because unlike the world and its promises, it's, it's not like a vapor. One, one minute it's here and one minute it's gone. The labor for the Lord remains so let us lay up treasure in heaven. The church is about this because they had heard the gospel and they had heard the words of Jesus and set out to be about doing them. They found this as Peter states, blessed be the God of our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading to keep in heaven for you. So I got a new shelf this week. It's pretty. It's awesome. I, I, I've caught myself kind of like looking at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it just kind of structures well. got the pantry stuff kind of, you know, all in there. And I'm like, it's still going to dust and decay one day, but it's pretty right now. But what we have in Christ is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. 
It's not going to get some dust on it. There's no little moths eating it. Heavenly moths, I don't know what they do, but they apparently they don't eat clothes. The world is full of false and dead hope. For the world, like Ecclesiastes tells us, is full of vanity. But in Christ we find living hope. And there is proof of hope. The physical resurrection of Jesus. And this truth changes everything. It, it literally turns the world upside down. <clears throat> Paul continues in Colossians 1. Uh, verses 6 through 8. He states this, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it, do, as it does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Now the gospel is powerful because it is the power of God unto salvation. And this power unto salvation came to Colossae and changed the people there. The gospel, in fact, as Paul states, is going through the whole world bearing fruit and increasing. This is what good news does as the church brings it forward as we're about the words of Jesus commissioning us in Matthew as he records in his gospel in Matthew 28 18 through 20 and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I command you, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth. And he tells us, he tells his followers to do this, to go and make, to go invest, to go till the news, and to go teach, and to go and know this, that the Lord is with us. And we see this happen through the book of Acts. Jesus tells his followers in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He has sealed us and leads us to all truth. He, he equips us to be a witness of the Lord to the whole world. And that's actually what you see happen in the book of Acts from Jerusalem to Rome, the gospel, the witness of who Jesus is and what he has done goes forward. And then the end of the book says, unhindered, it goes forward still. Now, when it comes to this subject, some people tell us we have lost what the early church had. We no longer 
see what happened in the book of Acts happen in the now. And therefore, we have lost something. But as I thought about that, I was like, well, aren't, aren't foundations different in a building? You know, the foundation looks different than, than what we're standing in, right? With miracles and healings and many wonders, the question is, well, why don't we see those today? And the author of Hebrews actually talks about this subject. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews uh, chapter 2. At Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, the author states this. And therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape? escape? <clears throat> I'm making up new words every day up here. <laughs> how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed to, uh, distributed according to his will. See, the author says we must, we must pay much close attention. Closer attention. Right? That's bringing it into your face and looking at it, right? Like, up close. Seeing what it says because it is proclaimed by the Lord and told by the followers of Jesus and borne witness by God through signs and wonders. The very foundation, the, the cornerstone is Christ. And then those pointing and proclaiming it's not the wonders right it's, it's not the miracles it's the person and work of Jesus because that is a life made manifest see we're we're not missing something we don't need new programs we don't need enough faith to move God into doing something new no God is sovereign and he does as he wills and we also need to understand this as well, those, those wonders, those miracles actually fade in the time of, of the disciples. Acts records this of Paul. It's Acts 19, 11, and 12. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their disease left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Like, that's an amazing, crazy, cool miracle going on. And a little handkerchief that had touched Paul's skin could do those things. But yet in the letter of Philippians, he writes this. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And indeed he was ill near death. But God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also, but also on me. But on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. The Philippians was most likely written 
about the same time as Colossae. And the question here is, well, why didn't Paul just hand him a handkerchief? Because what's the big word of the day, dispensational theology looks at the Bible and says there are different periods of time. Dispensationalism, the word, is actually found in the book of Ephesians. And it mean, it's mainly a period of time that God interacts with different people. He interacts with these people over here differently than these people. The church foundation had wonders and miracles pointing to the foundation. The church structure now has prayer, fellowship, praise, preaching, and teaching, the ordinances of communion and baptism. And just another big word for you, too, is called sensationalism. This is a theological term that is talking about the gifts of healing, prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues and apostleship are no longer gifts given to the church today. Many movements throughout history have tried to bring them back and highlight that these are blessings that are needed or lost. But as we see in Colossians and in Hebrews, that it is the word of truth, not the wonders that change people. And actually, that's what we saw even in Sunday school, that you can see all the wonders but it's the heart, right? It's the heart that's the problem. So we need the word of truth, the gospel, to change people. The gospel message is what we need to bring close to our face and not neglect such a great salvation. None of this says healings don't happen, right? None of this says we can't pray for someone to be healed None of it says that wonders don't happen today. What it is saying is that we agree on the evidence of what God's word says, that these gifts are not the solution to our problem as the American church or any other church in the world. The solution is found in what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, it is, Sorry. <laughs> he is it that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. So we don't, we don't need programs. We don't need church membership. Those things won't be enough. Bible studies are a loss without it, too. We need communion with the Holy One. You know, there's, there's union, right? You're never separated from the love of God. And then there's communion, to actually commune with him and, and to fight the sin off in our lives. And those are two different things, right? That you're justified once, freely, forever. You're in Christ. And then the union as well. We need to be plugged in to Christ. And that's really a lot of the message of Colossians is, is fixing upon the head of the body. And we'll, we'll get further into that of who Christ is. We need to abide in him. So the question, right? How do we do this? How do we do that? It is having his words abide in us. And if we love him, we will do as he commands. So it's just what Paul had said, right? It's knowing Jesus and doing what Jesus says. 
That's how we abide, no matter who we are, no matter what position we have in life, we can do this. And that's how we go about bearing, going about bearing fruit and increasing by the word of truth, the gospel. So first and foremost, we hear it, just like they did, and then we understand it, the grace of God and truth. It was brought to little lonely Colossae, kind of a, a town that was high and mighty back in the day, but then the Romans paved a new road and they kind of lost out on everything. But it was brought by Epaphras, who is his fellow servant of Paul and Timothy's. And he is identified as a faithful minister of Christ. We have seen that Epaphras was from Colossae. He most likely heard it in Ephesus. You know, he may have heard the hubbub of this guy going. I would have loved to see what Paul was like, right? You know, and he spent three years in Ephesians, or sorry, in Ephesus. And, you know, all of Asia heard the gospel. And Epaphras was one of those guys. And he may have taken it back home. He, he actually, some scholars also believe that he might have been the pastor of Colossae. But he was faithful. He had come to Christ in faith and now he taught others to know what to be true, the person work of Christ Jesus. Now Epaphras also had made the long journey to Paul. You know, Colossae was about 100 miles from Ephesus. He probably went to Ephesus, got on a boat, and went all the way to Rome. And he did this on behalf of the Colossian church. He had heard and understood the gospel and grew in it and bearing fruit and increasing. That is a life lived as we walk with Jesus, as we fight the good fight against the word, sorry, against the world, the flesh, and the devil, by being in the word. And we go forward sharing the word of truth, the gospel. For this is what saves souls. The person and work of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, changes all of history. Epaphras let Paul know of the church of Colossae's love. So the question today that I've kind of you know, just thought about this whole time is, you know, are are we thankful? Are we thankful to God? Or, or do we, you know, and, and it happens, right? Or do we take it all for granted? You know, let us be thankful for fellow believers. Let us be thankful for those who have hope laid up in heaven. Let us be thankful for the word of truth, the gospel that has come to us. And we heard and we understood. And if we haven't yet, let us be thankful that we get to hear it again and come and be anew in Christ. Because God has come from man and believing in Christ, resting in his finished work, we are a new creation. And then after that, we can be thankful that we can go forward each day with the good news and share it. So let us be thankful for all that we have and let us bear fruit and increase.
Let us walk with God and let us be about what Paul states in Romans. I appeal to you, brothers, that by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, let us strive together with me, but to strive together with me in your prayers to the behalf, to, to God on my behalf. Right? We strive together that the word of truth may go forward. Well, let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the word of truth, the gospel. We thank you for the, the whole of the Bible, that we can study it, that we can see your, your breathed out word cuts through bone and marrow, cuts through the intentions of the heart. Thank you, Lord, that we have the same power that the apostles have, the Holy Spirit that seals us, that guides us into all truth, and that we can step out and, and be witnesses and hold it close. That we can, we can see this great salvation and, and know what it is that Christ has done for all of humanity has come to seek and save the sinner, us sinners, and that we can be new, and that we can have union with God through Christ by being justified, and then as we walk in life, we can also be sanctified and have communion with the Holy One and be plugged in and abide in Christ. And whether we're just starting out and, and reading the Bible and getting to know you and, and having so many questions or whether we might have one or two and we're still you know, just going along and, and abiding and growing and increasing, Lord, that we would do it all for your glory and your honor. I pray for the encouraging and equipping of your people, of your called out saints, Lord, that we would go and be about serving you in the here and now. I pray for all these different events coming, that people would feel welcome, that we can love upon others through our days. And thank you, Lord, for the amazing grace found in Christ alone. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.